to another episode of Individuality Unleashed. My name is Vern Trimble, Senior Director of Content and Communications here at Wonderkin. We're going to discuss all things digital, performance marketing, and artificial intelligence. And today, we are joined by a fantastic guest. His name is Jalal. He is the president of Ometria, and we are super excited to have him here today. Hi, Jalal. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Vern. Absolutely. I want to make sure. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? I'm pretty sure I am, but if not. Yes, yes, you are. You're one of the few that uh, pronounced it perfectly, so thank you. No problem. I imagine it's French. Uh, yes, it has, it has French fruit, it has Arabic roots, it has, uh, has roots from all over the world, and it's unfortunately very hard to pronounce. It, it is, but I, I try my best, so I'm, uh, thank you for that, that check mark. And in talking a little bit about yourself, I'd love for you to just to tell the, the, the crowd a little bit about who you are before we jump into our topic today. Yeah, of course. So I'll keep it relatively short, but um, I grew up in Switzerland. I moved out to, uh, to London to start my career. I actually started my career in investment banking and uh, structured commodity finance, which uh, is probably furthest removed from AI and the conversation we have today. And then uh, my, I met my business partner, Ivan, and we did a whole bunch of different businesses together. And uh, the reason we, we got into customer data and marketing and artificial intelligence is we, we used to invest into a lot of different businesses. And uh, one of the key verticals that we're investing into, that was about 12, 13 years ago, was specifically around retail brands. And back then, D2C was the hot new thing. And we invested in a whole bunch of different businesses and a lot of those businesses were very successful and others failed. And we started to learn and understand what made the D2C brands very successful. And we quickly found out that the brands that were successful were the ones that were leveraging customer data, predicting behavior and using all that insight and all that data to personalize their marketing campaigns on a one-to-one -one scale. So that's how we came up with the idea of a metric and that's how we started about 10 years ago. I love that. And you know what, I know this, this isn't what this episode is about, but I love the words of wisdom around both success and failure because it was both through your success and your failure that you were able to develop a business model that has led to Ometria, which is now successful for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it was a lot of interesting uh, tests and iterations and back and forth and lots of successes and failures that we're able to digest to create the product and the offering that we have today. Now that you have success with Ometria, the product is thriving, can you tell us a little bit about your mission and how AI is helping you to achieve that mission? Yeah, so when we started uh, Ometria, we had a very clear purpose and our purpose was to help retail brands create marketing experiences their customers love. And we knew that the only way to do that was to start with the data and start truly understanding individual behavior. Because when we started Metria about 10 years ago, uh, and as we know today, there's so many different acronyms out there. There are ESP, CDPs, CCCM, whatever Forest or Gartner report you want to look at. But when we started Metria back in the day, your key marketing technology was an email service provider. And just like the name suggests, those technologies were built to send emails to email addresses. They weren't built to send highly personalized messages to customers across all relevant channels. So that was the first point that we wanted to address. And that's why we had this very specific purpose. And we also chose retail due to the complexity of the data set, but also the fact that the data set is so rich 
which enabled us to train the algorithms in the way that helped marketing teams create those unique experiences. So on the one hand, on the marketing side, you had email service providers that were not built to solve this particular problem. And on the data side, you had very complicated uh, data technologies that required marketing teams to know SQL or whatever other coding language to be able to extract data that was relevant and helpful to them. So combining the two things, we were able to build the very first customer data marketing platform for retail brands. But what's most important, because we only work with retail brands, over the last 10 years, I think we've collected over 30 billion data points that are anonymized across all of our customers, which enable us to train our algorithms. And that's how we recently were able to provide more and more insights to our customers, leveraging all the AI innovation that's happening within the, uh, within the industry. That's phenomenal. You mentioned the 30 billion data sets, and it's such an important thing to, I just want to hone in on this for just a moment. The last episode, we talked with Spencer Sterling, who is our Senior Director of ML and AI, and he was adamant in suggesting that AI is only as good as your data set. So one of the things that I think is important to drive home as we are helping to educate marketers around the power and the efficiency of AI and how to choose the right AI, it's understanding that data is is key. Do you want to just ex- expand on that for just a moment, Jalal? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think when uh, when the whole AI trend started, and I'm not talking about recently. I'm talking back in the in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. Uh, when the first machine beat a human at chess, right? That's where all the all the the hype started. But I think a limitation back then was hardware. So how do you create a computer that is able to provide recommendations? Uh, it was never about the data back then. But now we're in a different era where the challenge is the data set. So whatever you feed the algorithm, the more likely the output to be accurate. I know now we're, we went through a big data phase where we're, we try to collect as much data as possible, but we're now at a, at a, in, a, in a crossroads, as it were, where we have so much data, but we don't know what to do with it. And that's why AI and uh, the use of all these new models that are very openly available to brands, to marketers, to engineers, to be able to leverage all that data is absolutely critical. We are going through a bit of a... Hard, hardware supply and demand issue, and uh, we've seen that specifically with NVIDIA and what's happening, what's happening with semiconductors. But back in the day when this whole thing started, it was very much about how do you create the best possible hardware to leverage artificial intelligence. Uh, now it's mostly about the data and what you feed these algorithms. And that's why it's also, we believe, very specific uh, or very important to have a specific vertical, a specific niche, because once you have a data, let's say, for our a retail sector, the more you feed your algorithms that retail data sets, the more accurate and the more uh, precise these algorithms become and the more insight they're able to provide. If you start feeding the algorithms a whole bunch of different data across multiple verticals, you might start to create a bias which could be counterproductive to what you're trying to achieve. That's, I hadn't thought about that. That's That's actually really good and I think something that would be that's really relevant for our cohort of listeners and considering some of the efficiencies and the benefits of using artificial intelligence, it's sure created using that data to create segments, create lookalike, understand your audiences, but also making sure that you are 
in your scale and in driving efficiencies that you're also not creating biases from the data that you're actually gathering. So I imagine that it, it, it just takes a lot of skill perhaps. I don't know, I'd love for you to speak on this. What does a marketer, what is a marketer to do? How do they actually go about leveraging the data that they have to create efficiencies, creating proper segments, uh, to use AI in such a way where it actually benefits their business and their marketing strategy? Yeah, so I think probably the most important to start off with, and I, I've seen this quite a lot. I mean, I used to run product back, back at Ametria, so my day-to-day -day job was basically speaking to as many retail marketers as I could get in front of. And I spoke to five, 600 different retail marketers. And uh, the, the biggest challenge, or the, the first thing the marketer should ask themselves is ultimately what are they trying to solve, right? I've seen a lot of brands, a lot of marketing teams try to retrofit AI to solve a particular problem when reality AI might not be a solution. So what I would start off with is understanding what is the ultimate objective? What is the goal, right? Is it to increase revenue? Is it to increase customer, improve customer experience to drive long-term revenue? Is it to improve customer lifetime value, repeat rate, first to second time order, um, latency? So. First and foremost, I would start with the problem or the challenge or the opportunity. And once you understand that, you can then, of course, use AI across, I would categorize them across three specific groups where I think AI specifically for marketing can help. Uh, first one is predictive analytics, uh, just leveraging data and uh, the different information you have in your customers to be able to predict their behavior. Second one is automating any specific workflows. And the, th the third one is some of the things you briefly mentioned is around personalization. So I'd say those are the three key buckets that we see brands today successfully implement and leverage AI with. It's also so predictive, uh, predictive analytics, automation, and personalization, uh, which, which is great. So when a, when a marketer starts to do their research on partners, to work with in order to leverage those three core tenets, what, what should they be looking for? Like how, how do they go about vetting? And the reason why I bring this up, because I've talked, I've spoken with a ton of marketers that have tried out tools, have signed huge checks, and have been disappointed by the results that they've received from some of the quote unquote latest AI tools that are revolutionizing the market, which actually aren't. So like what what should what should they be looking for? How should they be researching AI tools? Yeah, absolutely. So as we know, uh, finding technologies and solutions specifically for marketers is very difficult. I don't know if you see in the, the MarTech, I don't know what is it now, the MarTech 10,000, the 10,000 different providers. I remember when we started Metri, it was about like 2,000 different providers or even less. Now it's 10,000 different marketing solutions out there. As we know, so many different acronyms, so many different uh, vendors within the space, and I'm only talking specifically or within the retail marketing space, let alone marketing in general. So what's very difficult for marketing teams is once again, is when they try to, to start off by finding a vendor and then retrofitting it. So that's probably the, the first thing I'd look at. The second one is I would look at existing technologies and data sets and the data flow. So what we always recommend is to look at what, what technologies you're using today and where the biggest gaps and opportunities are. So what we found, uh, and this varies from different region and sector, but what we found is that we went, by we, I mean retail brands have gone through this crazy acquisition piece 
where they've acquired every single piece of technology out there. They have multiple ESPs, multiple CDPs, multiple automation technologies. So right now, they're in a place where they have all of these technologies, but as you, as you said, they're not leveraging them in the best possible way. And in most cases, sometimes it's not even to do with the technology, it's to do with the internal processes and teams that you have established as a brand, as an organization. So first is to analyze the technologies that you have, and then when finding the right vendor, once you've understood what the key challenge that you're trying to address is, I would look at what I would recommend was identify technology that is able to fit in within your tech stack and be, what's the best way to describe it? Find a vendor that has the, the least path of, of resistance into your tech stack to then ingest the data and start trialing out different things. Of course, if you're coming to the conclusion that some of the key major stacks that you have in your organization are no longer working and you need to replace fully, then that's a whole different proposition. But if you're trying to test uh, different AI technologies, it's very important to identify what you already have within your tech stack, what the data flow is like, and what are some of the key objectives and tests that you'll be running, and then using the right vendor and the right technology to be able to do that. That's, that's great. And you know, what's so helpful about that because it's a sense of calm and it provides a sense of calm and understanding and clarity to marketers in a time where it is quite literally a, a paradigm shift in the way in which we conduct business. Um, although artificial intelligence has been with us, as you say, from the 50s and 60s, uh, with, the, with the arrival of market tools like generative AI, uh, more performative tools, it really has become difficult to kind of understand and uh, glean the power of these tools as it would apply to a marketer's day-to-day -day work. So helping to provide that information, that insight, so marketers can make better, more informed decisions when purchasing AI tools is very impactful. So, so understanding what's beneficial is great, but I'd also like for you to kind of hit on what marketers should be wary of when it comes to, to AI. Yes, that's, that's, a, that's a big topic. So there's a few things, uh, and focusing specifically on marketers, I think, uh, makes the, the, the topic slightly easier to discuss. But I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is of course, data privacy, right? Is uh, no matter what AI solution you're using, a lot of them are using tooling and off-the-shelf off solutions that could share data with third parties. So uh, one understanding is what impact it will have on your data when you start to implement AI tools, but specifically what does that entail for customer data and how that data is being processed and what you're also doing to enrich the customer data that you already own. So that's probably the first thing that would look at. Uh, the second one I think uh, is around creativity, right? And I think a lot of people always mistake for, always take AI as, as, a, as, a, as a way to replace uh, jobs or roles or humans, depending on what, the, what the, the task is. But I'll always look at it as, um, as AI is there to spark creativity innovation versus replacing any, anything that a human or a marketer is doing today. Uh, I know, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if you've been following this, but since uh, all these generative AI tools were out, there's a lot of songs being replicated, a lot of 
books being written, a lot of even now videos being created. Uh, of course, yeah, on, on the one hand, you look at it and you're like, okay, uh, AI is going to take my job. But on the other hand, um, and this I was, I was reading something very interesting. On, on the other hand, if you look at it from a different lens and you say, okay, imagine you give, you give these tools to Taylor Swift, right, for example, and instead of replicating her music, what if Taylor Swift has all these AI tools to be able to create more songs, to be even more creative, to basically create more output of higher quality and more volume, right? So it's, it's effectively bringing the two together versus isolating AI as a single point solution to replace or automate certain tasks. So I think ultimately when marketing teams are implementing these AI technologies, it's very important for them to have the mindset of not looking at it as a replacement, but looking at it as something that they will work together with to be able to innovate, augment, or automate certain things that they were unable to do before. You're spot on. And that's a word of caution that I often give marketers when I'm having my conversations and consultations is you cannot replace your team with AI because without the human element, without the insight and the knowledge and quite honestly, the brain trust of your organization, which which rests with your people, you lose that spark of creativity that makes your brand and your product and your voice in the market uh, relevant because you start to sound like anyone and everyone else. Like for instance, with, with open AI, you're pulling from the open web, which quite frankly, lead, could lead to potential copyright infringement. And I've seen that happen before. What would be more beneficial is being able to pull from your own data. For instance, I work with AI tools in creating content. And oftentimes what we'll do is we'll use our existing data, our existing knowledge graph to develop derivative, con derivative content based on our existing long form content. But then it goes back to the, the greater point that you made earlier. It first starts with data. And to your point, Ometria possessing 30, I believe you said 30 billion data points. <laughs> like there's there's no way around that type of, of, of deep intrinsic knowledge that Ometra already possesses. So when uh, when marketers go to look for partners uh, like Ometra, can you can you just briefly describe how that relationship looks? How does that uh, unfold when uh, marketers approach you and look for insights to partner with Ometria and uh, and helping them achieve their goals. Yeah, and before I jump into that, there's other two things that 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 came to mind about the the dangers of, of AI, specifically on the marketing side. Is probably two other things that I would mention. One is, and I think uh, is what you said is automating too much. So once you start to automate, uh, you lose that personal touch, right? And specifically for retail brands, we know what a great uh, experience looks like, right? And when you go into a physical store and you speak to someone, you have a human conversation that is bespoke, that is unique to you. And I think the risk with a lot of these AI tools for not being properly trained on the right data sets uh, could create a generic feel. So as you said, in five, 10 years, everyone's marketing messages, everyone's outbound messages, whatever you're doing, wherever you're applying AI could look very, could look and feel very similar. So I would say, make sure that you, of course, everyone wants to automate a lot of the manual tasks, but there's a danger, there's a risk that you don't do it in the right way. And you lose that human touch, that experience a lot of the customers are looking for. 
So that'll be the one thing. And the second one is a lot of the AI applications today, there is still, uh, they lack transparency. So you don't actually know how these things work. And if you don't know how these things work, you don't understand what levers to pull on to fine tune it, to make sure that it's applicable to your use cases or more importantly, applicable to your customer in terms of creating these marketing experiences. Because it's very rare if you get a vendor or if you apply an agency or a team that you would have a true understanding of how these things are being processed, calculated, and then used to create these marketing messages. So I would add those two things to be careful about. One is overly automating everything, specifically the things that you can't control, but also making sure that you at least understand the principles and the parameters of how these algorithms work to ensure that you can be ready for the output. Absolutely. No, that's that's really great. And I, I'm sure that though, that's insight that I, I know for a fact that our audience and listeners uh, need. Because again, like I said, we are in a paradigm shift. And as it's almost as if the rug has been pulled from under us, so to speak, because with any new innovations, with any change, you don't want to lose out on first mover advantage. So I see a lot of marketers rushing to be the first to use these tools, but oftentimes are making major mistakes, throwing away months of strategy and upending it with uh, AI technologies that haven't been fully tested, that don't necessarily align with their KPIs, and often or quite potentially will find themselves in dire straits when they are not necessarily hitting their their metrics of, of success. So this this insight is is so helpful. So thank you so much for adding that additional color uh, to that. Um, one thing I'd uh, also love for you to add. Uh, as we wrap up Jalal today is where can our listeners and viewers find additional resources and what additional resources would you recommend they research in, in making AI decisions for their organizations? Well, there's a, there's a very easy and obvious answer. One of them is chat GPT and BART, right? Uh, you can honestly go and ask them a whole bunch of different questions and, I'll be, and the, the results that you get if you fine tune the queries are very impressive, right? So if you're looking to, to get a better understanding of everything that we've discussed, starting with ChatGPT and BART would be very helpful. That's on the generic level, right? That's good to, to get an understanding of top level context. We, of course, have a lot of collateral that helps brands get a better understanding of how they can leverage customer data. We've actually uh, released uh, a CDXP buyer's guide. So actually answering the question that you had earlier, how one would go about choosing the right vendor, the right provider, what to look at. So we've just recently released a CD, CDXP buyer's guide. So I'd highly recommend uh, brands that are uh, about to launch an RFP process or are thinking about replacing technologies, take a look at that. Of course, Garden and Forrester are good sources. Um, and of course, you guys have great content as well. So looking at different vendors that you're interested in, looking at analysts, uh, Garten, Forrester, McKinsey, Bain have a lot of different research papers on that. And of course, using ChatGPT and, and BARD uh, for very specific questions that just to get a top level understanding of how things are working. Those are absolutely great recommendations, Jalal. Thank you so much for sharing those. Those are in fact uh, resources and tools that I use today to do my research. I'm a little biased 
because as you said, we produce content here at Wondercat that helps marketers and brands, specifically within e-commerce and retail. And we recently released a white paper entitled Revolutionizing Retail, How to Navigate the AI Landscape to Drive Performance. So it's all the things that you need to know around leveraging AI to help drive performance for your organization. So if you'd like to learn more about that resource, visit our website at wonderkent.co. Click on resources and you will find that as our latest uh, white paper. Uh, but Jalal, if there, do you have any other key takeaways that you'd, you'd like to leave our folks with before we adjourn today? Uh, I'll, I'll leave it with a with an interesting anecdote that I that I picked up in another podcast, the Anderson Horowitz podcast. Is that it, it? It framed my perspective on what we're going through this paradigm shift, and a lot of people look at AI as this technology, right? As this as this conversational chatbot that you have somewhere in the background, as this machine, and the way that they've looked at it and they said for a second if you take a step back and imagine that you've discovered a new continent right there's a new continent in this world that you've discovered and everyone on that continent is extremely friendly and they'll do whatever you ask them to do just for a bit of electricity and now that i'm using chat gpt i'm like you know this is actually a very friendly individual on the other end and i'm asking them all these questions and they're replying it without asking anything in return which is an incredible experience that is unlike any other. So sometimes rather than treating it as this bot on your screen, think of it as if you're conversing with someone that you've never had this type of experience or relationship before. And I thought that was a very interesting perspective or a new lens to look at how we should be interacting with AI going forward. Because once you, once you flip the equation, the questions and the conversations that you have becomes a lot more interesting. That's really profound. I love that, Jal. In fact, I don't know, I might be crazy, but I actually say please and thank you to chat. There we go. Asking a question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe in 10 years it might become sentient and I might curry some kind of favor because I was. <laughs> we shouldn't we shouldn't lose uh, our human uh, human values and principles, no matter who we speak to. I think that's that's the most important thing golden rules to live by. Uh, Jalal, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure. We hope to have you back on the podcast sometime in the near future. How does that sound? Perfect. Thanks a lot, Vern, to the team. Thanks for having me and we'd love to be back. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Again, that's another episode of Individuality Unleashed. <laughs>